Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and this week we're going to take a look back a week or so at an event that's always a highlight of the classic car year. So I am at the NEC Classic Motor Show in Birmingham with Ian Brookfield. Good afternoon, Ian. Good afternoon, Guy. Um, I thought we'd get together because we've got a bit of a a Sud slash Emiliano Darko theme going on, on the stand. Yeah. So before we talk about the cars and the stand, I just wanted to talk about some of the things that have happened this year for the, the 50th anniversary, and uh, particularly the the incredible turnout for National Alpha Day. Yes, I think it would be true to say that Gary and I targeted National Alpha Day for a, for a big turnout. But getting 64 sprints and Suds there, I think exceeded our expectations. And judging by the parking space we got, exceeded the club's <laughs> expectations as well. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a it was a fantastic day, and it was great to see so many since. And a lot of people saying they haven't seen that many since the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, very good. And, and somebody was saying that um, Gary was having a mental count up on the way home of the ones that he knows of that weren't there, and got to about yeah. another 30. Well. We, we've both we've both done that on the phone before. Well, so so wasn't there with his. Well, where why wasn't he there? And where was his? Yeah, we so, we could uh, push. Like to think we could get to hundred, right? But that might be a bit, a bit tall. So, given how thin on the ground they've been for twenty years plus, where have they all come from? Well, I think they've always been there. But I think, like a lot of classic cars, if if they're not popular and. Maybe if the club is not active in supporting, promoting, then they end up sitting in the garage and people no doubt take them out when they can on holidays and holidays, but maybe they don't come to a show. Because I think three years ago we had five at Alpha Day and then 36 in 2021 and then obviously our, our 64. But I think values also helps because all of a sudden the, the car you've had for years, which wasn't worth a lot, now come up in value. And that obviously brings other people with different ideas. Yeah. And we're, we're saying 64 suits, that could include sprints as well. That it? includes sprints. I think the split was something like 41 saloons and 23 sprints. Which again is a huge increase in the number of sprints over the last. It, it few is. Years. But we've always been a bit surprised at the lack of sprints because they were obviously made till 1989. Yeah. So, Gary and I, we are going to try and maybe target that next year and try it because you see plenty of sprints on Facebook and the internet which well, and, we and, don't and know and across the classic car world yeah, it's, a, it's a, an old truism that the saloons get scrapped but the coupes yeah. and, the, and the convertibles get kept yeah. so yes they made them longer but they're also probably more likely to have been kept yeah you'd like to yeah. So people although, buy them as a, as a pretty car so to speak yeah although which the suit was a pretty car and yeah. a pretty special car I suppose so that's, I think that's probably why they've survived as well yeah so we're on the stand at the NEC and we have a, a theme which is, I guess, the, the Sud factory. Um, yeah. So we've, we've got a range of cars. Just just talk us through some of the, the highlights of the cars that we've got on the stand. Well, I suppose starting, we've got Jonathan Trinder's lovely 1.2 Ti, which is a very early Ti car. Um, Jonathan's obviously had that for, for many, many years. Lovely, very few left. Um, Gary Walker also is a nice one. We have a couple of other nice 1200 Ti's. I suppose that's really the sporty side of Suds launched. Yeah. We have Glenn Moffat's four-door Super. Again, lovely condition. 
And, and not in red. And not in red, in a lovely green, which is another reason why I think that, that was chosen. It's such a nice colour, which will then lead us on to Ted Pearson's lovely green Sprint Veloce. Yeah. Uh, that colour makes that car stand out beautifully. It does. Uh, mine, yeah. mine, I don't think you ever saw my Veloce. Um, did a lot of work on my green Cloverleaf. Yeah, we did your green Cloverleaf. Um, yeah. My Veloce was a sort of terracotta colour. Uh, the only advantage it had was that if you got a minor scrape on it, you could use um, red primer and you barely noticed oh, I see. it. No, I, know, I know the colour now you say that, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that the green one looks a lot better than my, my yeah. brown one did. Uh, well, I, I suppose like continuing that. the saloon, David Armstrong's green cloverleaf, which is one of the last sort of TI models yeah. with a 105 brake horsepower engine. Another, another lovely example of a cloverleaf. We seem to have quite a lot of them. They seem to be a top yeah, and, and again I think that's probably the same kind of thing isn't it yeah. people are more likely to save that than a 1.3 SC yeah I suppose my favourite has to be Alcaraz Trofeo that is a proper sort of championship winning car it raced for many years after the championship it's untouched and hasn't been seen really very much on display so it was really nice to get that here yeah I know we had a journalist from one of the classic car magazines here yesterday who was was excited because he's seen a sud that he hadn't seen yeah, before. Yeah, that is, as uh, much as seeing the ones on a regular basis, is nice to see one yeah. that you don't see very often is, is very special. Yeah. yeah. And th I understand that's probably, its racing days are, are probably over now. I, I don't think it passed scrutineering somehow. <laughs> a few things that are <laughs> out, out of seat, date now. Seeing the harness might be a bit dangerous. <laughs> Never worried them then. But <laughs> yeah. So that leaves us, I think, with one more, well, one and a half more suds. Probably the, um, the red sprint next. Yes. Mark Cullen's 1.7 sprint, restored as a, as a standard car. I mean, the paint job's beautiful. It's actually resprayed in 2009. He's had the seats recovered, almost 99% original. Look, looks beautiful. Really a really well-kept car and a credit to, to Mark. If I was here tomorrow, I might try and drive off before he comes to pick it up. Yeah, it's, it is really gorgeous. nice. You see so many sort of ratty ones, and that is really nice. Yeah. All the right bits on it. Yeah. And yeah. then I, I rather cheekily said uh, a half a said left, uh, but it's, it's it's a rather nice car, isn't it? It is. The 33. Lots of people have asked me about it, and I'm not a 33 specialist. I've yeah. had a few. I've raced one. Um, but that's a really nice car. And that's the one to have. That's 16 valve, the late shape, four wheel drive. Yeah. The discs and, on the back. And again, I think, you know, there are very few 33s left, but oh, right. disproportionately permanent fours amongst the ones that are left because yeah. that's the I, one you I save. Know, I certainly know of one down our way, a white one that's just been restored. Yeah. And the guy restored it simply because he loved it. Yeah. yeah. And the, there's definitely another red one, I think. That, um, <clears throat> We, we were quite surprised how few there were at National Alpha Day. Yeah. Because although we're all sub people, no one's got a bad word for a 33 amongst us. Uh, they were perhaps never quite had the siding the sud had, but good car, great race car. Uh, talking about cars that were maybe a bit less popular, just going to pop off the stand before we get to the last two on the stand because uh, there's one other related car at the NEC this weekend. Well, I think I know the one you mean. <laughs> Which is a white Chariot. Um, <laughs> they affectionately known as the Charna. The Charna, yes. The Charna. I think the fact that Dave Roberts, and I think 
and you have got I've done such a nice job restoring them you have to give them credit and respect for that yeah. you know but honors weren't greatly received by the alpha world back in the day but we that account out within Jeff got we think maybe there's seven or eight left right. we know of yeah. and to have a few in perfect condition is, is very nice and they should be part of the the alpha world and, and obviously it gets far more interesting every time you open the bonnet well yes which I, I notice it's parked on the stand with the bonnet with up with the bonnet up yeah. just so you can show it hasn't got a <laughs> bloody Nissan engine in it yeah. so the the last classic car I guess on the on the stand although probably some people would dispute that given the age more than anything else yeah. the old 146 nice car I had a TI for 10 years underrated comfortable a lovely lovely car I mean this one is, looks absolutely brand new it's really beautiful condition you know as a purist you might say 1.6 it was a big lump of metal for a 1.6 yeah. engine to carry around i was in the dealer network when they were new and it was very strange out in the body and seeing a sun engine in a 146 <laughs> i've got to say yeah, yeah. but no that's a lovely example of a 146 and again a lot of people talk about 145s 146 is a delightful car. Yeah, I had a 146 Ti as a, as a company car for two or three years, and uh, a fantastic car. And, yeah. and, and one of the things that was nice about it was that it was invisible compared to the 145 yeah. Cloverleaf, which was a bit of a hooligan's car at, it, it, the, at it did, the time. Yeah, it, had, it had them all that reputation. And my yeah. Ti was every bit as much of a hooligan's car, yeah. but without the without yeah. the reputation. And decent boat. Yeah, indeed. And then the last car, just because it's from the same factory and because we wanted an excuse to have a new car on the, on the yeah, stand, is good the, idea. Yeah. the Tonale. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had very little to do with modern modern Alphas, really. We've had a sit in it, we've been in the boot, things like that. It, it looks like a really nice, well-built car. Been a few discouraging write-ups on it, but I can't see maybe the usual Alpha journalistics write-up. Yeah. And it's had a constant stream of people oh, looking at it on the stand. People have been all over it. Yeah. John's been opening the boot and the bonnet. It's, uh, I think it's a very, very pretty little car. Yeah. So if you had to pick one car from the, <coughs> from the collection on the stand? I'd be taking the, the old Trofeo home, I think. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a toss-up for me between that and, um, and Ted's Sprint. Yeah, is, no, Ted's Sprint is, is lovely. And, 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 and the others. And the others. I'd have them all. <laughs> So it's been a, a good year for the register. Yes, um, yeah. As you talked about the fact that it might just be possible to get a, a hundred cars together. Any plans for the 51st anniversary? Because well, it's, it's, it's a long time to the 60th. It is a while. Gary and I might be a bit too old. Someone else might have to take over. <laughs> no, Gary and I have had a, a few initial discussions about what, what we're going to do. I suppose we need, we need the venue to be confirmed. Um, but I'd like, I tried to get a few more racing ones there because obviously racing's in the, in the blood but um, we've we got three there but I'd like to just try and encourage a bit of performance yeah. so it's, and maybe have a like we tried this year with the Arnas and the 33s to try and get all all those Polarco cars together Yeah, and there do seem to be more racing cars coming out of the, the woodwork as well there was one in the HRDC at um, Festival Italia that I hadn't seen before. The little yellow one. Yeah, the yellow yeah, one. Yeah, that's a Bugatti car. Um, guy bought it from Italy. Never, never had an Alpha before, doesn't it? 
but we suppose you didn't know what a Julius Super was, so right. we were kind of, hmm, okay. But I noticed Artem Mazzuri had signed the rear window, and I'm not sure he knew who <laughs> Artem Mazzuri was. Right? I think he was a bit lost to what I was saying to him, but he, he drove it well. He and did drive it well. It's only a 1300, and it, it goes had a bit through. of a, yeah. a tangle with one of the, the yeah, outfitters one of the, early one on, of the Nords. Yes. Yes, yeah, one of those um, Nords. And then a fantastic storm through from, yeah. the, from no, the back. He's a good driver, and that's a, that's a fast, little, fast little car. Brilliant. Okay, so Ian's talked to us around the stand and mentioned uh, the Alfasud 1.2 Ti belonging to Jonathan Trinder. I now have Jonathan with me. Hello. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Um, so tell me a little bit about the car and, and your history with it, which I think we're, we're here celebrating the 50th anniversary of the yeah, Alfasud. Yes, it doesn't right. go quite that far back, but, but no. not far off. So my car is coming up to 47 years, uh, and I've had it for just under 46 years. So it was 11 months old when I bought it. Nominal mileage. Um, it was February 1977. And I'm quite convinced that the hot, dry summer of 1976 played a part in its early preservation. I think it dried, like. dried it out and, and yeah, so desiccated it, it. That's right. There wasn't so much rain around, not so much wet roads. Um, so, yes, I was specifically looking for an Alpha Sud um, TI at that time. I just moved to North Yorkshire, actually York, um, from South Wales. I have. And so I suppose the reason I was looking for one of those was um, really inspiration from a friend of mine. We were, we were kind of really young Porsche enthusiasts at the time. We, I rather am it still, but uh, that's another story. Perhaps not best for this channel, but here. Uh, but here we go. So I was with a couple of fellas following the RAC rally in November 75. We were sat beside of a stage somewhere in a friend's car and we were talking about what might be good cars to chase an RAC rally around the country. And one of the obvious things sort of came up like an RS2000, um, 911S, and then friend of mine said um, or an Alpha Sud TI now I hadn't heard of the Alpha Sud uh, at that time not heard of it at all so um, never really paid much attention to Alfa Romeos but when I sort of looked into the design spec of the in big inboard brakes the uh, low slung flat four engine got a bit of a penchant for sort of horizontally opposed engines engines um, and of course there is a Porsche link with uh, there with is Rudolf with Fusca. Fusca yeah that's right um, it started it, the specification all started sort of come together is how I would almost in myself if I was designing a car from scratch I would sort of look into these kind of this basic sort of architecture yeah. and uh, at that time Many cars were rear-wheel rear wheel drive, especially a lot of the British cars, the, the Ford Cortinas, um, not so much the Leyland cars like the Mini and the 1100, they were front drive, but there were many sort of, it was the transition period, if you like, between standard cars being rear drive to being front drive, and front drive had a lot of advantages, particularly in sort of the wet and snowy conditions with the traction and everything. So it had a lot of design features which I, which sort of um, resonated with me and uh, I thought, mm, yeah, one day I'll get one of these. And then, of course, then not only that, to cap it all, the, the contemporary press just raved about the performance of such a small engine and its brakes and its handling generally. 
it was getting five stars in sort of the auto car and motor car, uh, motor car magazine, um, auto sport as well, and motorsport. They were all giving it very, very um, praiseworthy reviews. This is sort of before really the sort of the rust reputation yeah. sort of got bedded into them. So I was pretty determined to sort of get one, get get hold of one of these cars. It was very very keen to get one of them, which I did when I moved just after I'd moved up from South Wales to North Yorkshire. I saw one advertised privately. Uh, it was £2,100. It was um, just a bit under a year old. It'd been garaged. And I now have a facsimile of the original advert that was put into the Yorkshire Post newspaper. Right. And it was an older guy, an elderly gent, with like a more sedate car. <laughs> so... <laughs> So when I turned up, um, I went with my parents to see it. Uh, the fellow who was selling it was probably late 60s. Quite the non-stereotype that you would expect to own a sort of a small sporting saloon. And his reason for selling it, that he said, was that uh, he'd had a wartime back injury and he found the rather rigid suspension a little bit uncomfortable. So the car was in the garage, I had a look at it and um, I decided to take it. So I paid £2,100 on the 19th of February, 1977. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is literally history. Yes, I mean, I agreed to have it before driving it. So that was on a Wednesday evening, I remember. And then I went back on the Saturday to actually pay him. And he said, no, before you pay me, you must test drive it first, which I did. And uh, I was really quite enthralled by the way it drove. It was so, so stable and so accurate. The car I had at the time, the first car, was a little Datsun Cherry 100A, which, for what it was, wasn't bad. It was quite well made, but it was very bland in its handling. It, there was no, there was, there was no, it didn't pretend to be anything other than a utility car, I would say. And uh, I wanted something a little bit, a little, little bit more lively. As I say, the, the Alpha Suit was where I was heading. And so I bought this one and I decided, having driven it, and experience what it was like. I thought, yeah, this, after a few days, it, it's, I wanted to keep this car for quite a long time. And by this time, it was becoming apparent that rust was an issue with them. So I did a lot of, spent a lot of time dismantling the car. I'm not, I'm not saying I took all the suspension engine and gearbox out, but all the, the carpets were lifted up, the seats were out. And I explored the bodywork and injected a, a Dinatrol-type product in, into them, uh, into the, all, all into the box sections. And uh, there was stuff called Supertrol, which you could buy everywhere at the time. Halfords did it. There was um, most motor factors and sort of car... Well, manufacturers didn't put any rust protection in, no, so no, somebody no. had to... Yeah, there was no Zybart. It was under-sealed, uh, right. but there was no, no interior protection uh, into the body structure. Um, so I spent months doing this. Uh, I must have used hundreds of cans of this, uh, this product... <laughs> Um, it's still available to buy, but you can only sort of get it online from right. you know, specialist places. It's a pity, but I suppose cars are now, they don't rust like they used to. Yeah, there's there's less demand for it. So yeah. having decided I wanted to keep it long term, I then actually bought pretty soon after uh, an old Ford Anglia to use through the winter. I ended up running that car virtually all the time. And the Alfred was tended to be used then for special occasions. And that sort of ethos lasted, it's lasted ever since. So it's never been used really as um, a primary means of, yeah. means of transport. It's always been a car to enjoy rather than, you know, to, as a 
as a utility vehicle, if you like. I was 21 when I bought it. I'm 67 now. I didn't imagine for a minute that at 21 I would still, <laughs> you know, have it when I was sort of 67. So it has been, yeah, it, it's, it's almost like a, a, a freak, almost, if you like, having owned one car for so long. Uh, but yes, it's, it's been very, very rewarding. It's opened so many doors to me. It's been a you know, well-known car in the Alpha Club, and through that, because there were so few around, and as they became older in the motoring press, the classic car press, were taking more interest in yeah. them, and they wanted to sort of have examples to road test and everything else. Um, it was always mine was the, the go-to example, really, because there were so few around. Well, we were talk, to use. talking to Ian earlier and, and talking about the fact that not that long ago, four or five suds at a National Alpha Day was yes, a yeah. was a good turnout, and yours would typically have been at one of the five. Yes, I mean there's some, there are some uh, risk restoration ones coming through now, which are, I, I, there's a few of them. You'll know them; they've yeah. been beautifully done. But they, these seem to be cars which have been sort of locked away, hidden away for decades, and now they're sort of just being sort of found. I suppose people have owned them, didn't want to sell them. Perhaps they've been MOT failures, and yeah. they've just been lying in lockups and wherever. And, now they're finding their time again. Well, and interestingly, a lot of them are um, are of an age that they were taken off the road before Sawn came in. Yes. So yeah. we're actually seeing the numbers of cars that DVLA know about yeah. going up every That's year, right. which is, yes. is a slightly yeah. bizarre phenomenon. So it's strange when you had you used to have sort of 30 cars, and now you've got sort of 60. Yes. It doesn't seem to make sense. You, you'd think that how can I they... Think there's, there's about 200 Suds and sprints between. Yes, yeah. Um, although about a hundred of those are on sawn most of the time. Yes, I think, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, yes, it's been. I've had quite a few magazine features. It's uh, it's been very rewarding. Some of them have been quite extensive two-day photo shoots. Uh, it was also on BBC Top Gear program as well many years ago. Tiffany Gel drove it. That was one of his first assignments with Top Gear. Um, that's before the Clarkson era. Yep. It was, um, I think, William Woolard fronted the programme at that time. So I had a day out with the BBC. That was quite an interesting experience. Yep. And they paid me £200 for that. And that was in 1987. So that was Cars of the Decade, they were called it. So it was okay. like a little series yeah. running within the, the main series. And then they put all the decade cars together in one programme in 1988. And so the extract of that can be found on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. That. I think the, in a way, the accolade for me in terms of publicity was uh, an auto car pullout. Uh, they did a special feature on 10 best drives. They, few, if any of them, were actually British cars. But uh, So 10 best cars to own to as, as driving entities. And I got a phone call from Autocar, and I was rather surprised. I thought someone was, um, you know, playing a bit of a joke, playing a bit of a wind-up, because there was going to be a Ferrari 250 GTO, uh, an Aston DB4 lightweight Segato, a Ferrari F40, a McLaren F1. Oh, that sounds like the right sort of company yeah, to me. Well, uh, 2.7 RS lightweight Carrera, <laughs> two Lotuses, a Peugeot. A 205. My Alpha's at the 205 1.9. Yeah. GTI, uh, my Alpha Sud, and a Caterham 7 JPE, 
the one which had the Vauxhall touring car engine at the right. time. So this was about 1995. Um, I've actually got the article in the boot of the car, but the one of the photo shoots was um, all those cars grouped together for the f- front spread of the uh, the magazine, um, which was a separate pullout, a supplement, um, and the officer was right in the centre. With the McLaren F1 next to it, the F40, the GTO, just behind it, the Zagato Aston. So that kind of really was, uh, you know, it, it, the, the car almost looked kind of, to me, almost at that time, looked misplaced because right. it was in such, you know, almost you could say hallowed company. And interestingly, the um, the 250 GTO and the Zagato uh, were valued at, then the 250 GTO was valued at three and a half million and the Zagato at one and a half million. They were both owned by Anthony Bamford and they were driven up from Gloucestershire where they were kept by two of his resident mechanics they weren't trailered they were all driven up no. so I had an opportunity to have a be passengered in the GTO the 250 GTO so this is where I'm going back to how the car is open sort of so many sort of doors if you like and uh, they, they wanted the, they wanted a group of cars to go to a photo shoot they didn't want my Alpha Sud at the time so I catch the lift to watch it being done in the JPE which was possibly the fastest car I've ever been in he gave a lift back to someone else where we were based on the North York Moors and I just got a lift back in the Ferrari and uh, it was a real revelation because you think a car of this value would be all well I knew it wouldn't be nice or luxuriously fitted out but it was really very workmanlike very basic inside because of course it's a race car it's not a road car so uh, and it wasn't driven hard by the fellow who was driving it um and all the panels are flapping around and uh, you could see through the door gaps, you know, to the outside, the wind noise. It, so it was, um, it wouldn't have been a, a um, you know, a very good road car really yeah. for any distance, but uh, of course that wasn't its intent. But yeah, it was an incredible experience really, if you're into sort of this, um, if you have this as an interest, it was, um, yeah, great. Something I look back on, you know, never forget. <laughs> and in, in terms of the car today, in terms of mileage and yeah. originality, how 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 original is it still? It's almost all original. Really, the only paintwork it's had done is the bonnet. I had that professionally done about four years ago. Uh, I repainted the wheels uh, with cellulose. Um, I tried to match what the wheels had become. They dar- over years they darkened slightly. Right. I think they must have been they were powder coated. I'm told they weren't in too bad a condition when I did them, but I decided I would I would like to sort of make them a little bit better. So I did those with cellulose and the front air dam at the front underneath the boy- underneath the spoiler. I painted that myself. Um, that picks up stone chips. I've done that twice, I think. I have had to do one weld repair on it, and that was to the bulkhead below the trough where the heater and the ancillaries all yeah. sit so I had to, I brought the engine and gearbox out to do that I did this um, 2004 I did that and really that was my own fault because I used to sometimes swill that trough out with water and it would just run out each end because there are drain holes but I didn't realise it was a drain hole right underneath the heater which is concealed from view that let some water go straight yeah. into the uh, cavity which forms the bulkhead and into this expanded polyurethane foam which it was filled with and in some ways I think that might have helped it because because that foam isn't particularly absorbent it contained 
yeah. what, what had gone into it. It must have been like, um, but it was yeah, enough to yeah, rest. There's been no, so I had to there was no, bit of a pattern, um, no, no evidence of damage through the chassis. And I certainly didn't feel anything flexing or anything, so it, uh, I got it in just about probably in the right time. The mileage is 85,000 um, miles, just a bit over. Probably hit about 86 by the time I get home. So it's it's being used, it's done that mileage. It's not high mileage each year when you factor in its age. I've been to Germany in it, to a couple of trips around the Netherlands with the Dutch Alfa Romeo Club. We had some tours of the Netherlands. That was in fairly recent years. And uh, I've been to just about every part of the UK mainland in it and also up on north of Scotland into the Orkney Islands. Yep. So it's, uh, yes, it's seen all, all parts of the country. I mean, it certainly doesn't look like an 85,000-mile car, let alone a 47-year-old car. No, I, I have looked after it really quite obsessively. I don't like to polish it, because every time I polish it, my polishing cloth's got red paint on yeah. it. So I don't want to cut through too much paint. And uh, Well, we'll keep Mr Griffiths away from it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do put um, a Carnuba wax over it, but that, that is a coating, not a polish. Yeah. So um, I do that occasionally. I do that maybe every couple of years. Uh, it doesn't stand out in the rain, and I don't either let it stand out in the sunshine either. <laughs> Not for long periods. So Which is it's, always wise with Alfa Red. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's always been garage. It was garage from the first owner having it new. It was certainly been garaged uh, when I bought it. Uh, and I've always kept it in a garage ever since owning it. So, um, And it's not run in, run in the winter. Uh, I don't take it out onto wet roads. You know, if it's wet and I, if I'm caught in the rain when yeah. I'm out, then so be it. But uh, I don't run it in the rain, in the rain deliberately. Um, and I never use it on salted road. As far as I know, it's never been on salted road. But uh, prior to my ownership, it might have been. But uh, it's certainly not come to any harm from from being so. It would have been many, many years ago when that happened. So, uh, so yes, it's. Uh, I keep it legal, road legal all year round because uh, yeah. I don't need to pay road fund now. Uh, I need to insure it, of course. So um, it's insured, and so it remains road legal. Um, so if it is dry and salt free in the winter I will I will take it out I will I will drive it so really that's how it's been preserved it's just very very almost obsessive maintenance it's almost been a sort of way of life yeah you know keeping it uh, keeping it like that and yes it's been very very rewarding and I can't really envisage a time when I would want to sell it I've been made many offers but yeah. not you know sufficient sums it would want me to part with it Really, I'd only part with it, I think, if I was offered some ridiculous sum of money, which is far, far in excess of what it would ever be worth. But, uh, so that, that wouldn't happen. So I should imagine I'll probably just keep it all the way through now. Well, it's a credit to you. It's Thank you a, very much. It's been a pleasure talking yeah. to you about it. I've now got uh, Club Chairman John Griffiths with me. Good afternoon, John. Hello, Guy. Yeah. We're two days through uh, another NEC Classic Motor Show. Been very busy on the, on the stand. I think people would probably be interested to know a little bit about 
the process that happens before we get here so yeah yeah how do we decide the theme how does it all get pulled together yeah so i've been involved with doing the club nec stand since 2001 when because i look after east midlands section we took took over from the west midlands because they they wanted a bit of help but we we all work together now uh, when it comes to uh, actually looking after the stand but uh, we like to have a nice variety of, of members cars but generally within a theme this year 50th anniversary of the Alpha Sud was a real logical 50th anniversary of the Alpha Sud being on sale in the UK was an well, obvious that's the nice thing about Alphas isn't it yeah. there's always at least three anniversaries we that's can, it we so you, there's several that we can pick on <laughs> when it comes to anniversaries but uh, you know so many people love Alpha Suds I certainly do because it's what got me into it all back in the 1980s um, sometimes we think oh there might be a brand new Alpha out let's use that as the theme so when the new Julia came out in 2016 that was a logical thing to have Alpha saloons and then if there's an anniversary of the club a big one often we'll do that and let's have the cars of the decades that the club's been been running or then there might be a, a spider element to it let's have all the spiders and so on so this year was was relatively straightforward in let's look at look at suds so we could easily have put nine just alpha suds on the stand of different varieties but we thought we'd go a little bit broader than that and then we brought in all the boxer engine vehicles and of course we've got the tonali with a tenuous link of it being built at Pomigliano. Yeah. but it's not that it's the same factory. It's the same factory, only rather different, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> and we can get rid of the Russian steel myth in the new ones anyway. But yeah, uh, but yeah so there's, it's normally will come across... Actually, the classic show over the last few years has had its own themes that they come up with that are generally very open and can be interpreted. But if anything, we've gone our own route, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Um, so... Again, it's about members' cars as well. So uh, this year in particular, we picked a couple of cars that have been at the National Alpha Day concourse and Show and Shine. So those are the ones that were spotted. So if once you've come up with a theme, it's about selecting the right cars. Also, they have to be owned by somebody that's happy to bring it out in November when you've yep. got salt on the roads normally. Happily not this year. And um, leave it here for three days. And leave it as well. We're not unlimited budget-wise. We don't want to go spending tons of the club members' money, so we won't pay for shipment from the aisles of wherever. In the odd instance, we will do if there's a very special car that suits perfectly, but we're really after people that are keen to drive their cars and be a proper part of it. So that doesn't mean everybody comes with in 20 miles yeah. radius of Solihull so you know we've often had last year we had some fabulous cars from as far as Kent and we've had some from Scotland before now but it's about it's about the car it's also about the person and are they able to make it you yeah. know can they stay with it for three days do they want to stay with the car for three days you know and uh, and that really helps with it so well, it's, it's almost four days as well isn't it it is you've got the arrive on the Thursday exactly you've got the full Thursday setup day when it's quite fun to see it all come together so because we arrive and there's just a bit of plastic covered carpet down <laughs> and, and an empty hall which is a bit of a shocker and then you think goodness me all, by the time we get to lunchtime, normally on that Thursday, the cars are all in position nicely and we polished them up and ready to go. But then you come back on the Friday morning and all of the gangways are carpeted and yeah. it's, it looks like a proper show then, you know. And it, it's super, really enjoyable then. So that's that's the kind of way we do it. Uh, what's coming next is often asked yeah. each year. What are you going to do next time? Well, for next year's show, 
there's nothing in mind yet. <laughs> and I'm thinking we've done the little cars, maybe we'll go for the bigger capacity alphas. And there's, there's, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this year we've not had as many people as I thought come up to us saying, why haven't you got any spiders? Why haven't you got any Montreals? You get the odd one. Yeah. But when Alpha have made over 100 models, it's very difficult to keep everybody happy. However, I must say this year with Alpha Suit, it's been unanimous in people absolutely loving it. Yep. And that, that's been fabulous. Now, I know the, I know Ian and Gary from the register have had a great time chatting to people, as have the owners, of course. So, um, but yeah, I think next year, I think maybe we might do something that's more Nord and get the, you know, the Bussos and the Nord engines yep. down here for a change. And we'll, we'll see what was, you know, what was made in 1973 or whatever. Is, there's got to be somewhere along the line there that's going to be a, yeah, an anniversary. I think, I think there's a few anniversaries next year of, of, of a variety of things. The, uh, the Four Seas 10th anniversary. You're right, yeah, that's an idea, yeah. All, all the way back to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, certainly. I'm sure there were things 63 one. I'll just have to get my diary out to remember, but <laughs> crib sheet. But uh, uh, the yeah. other thing I was going to ask you, because it's a it's a massive show. Yeah. Um, was was what else you team? But you just told well, me that you've not actually managed to get off the blue carpet <laughs> in two days. I've, I've not been out of all one, but I do, I do, obviously we're right next door to the Maserati Club, and it's always good to go and see those guys. I was particularly proud to see that our new A Rock flags are at least twice as big as the Maserati. <laughs> And I took a photo to prove it. <laughs> and, I, and I think our Yorkshire section chairman yep. is uh, is on the Maserati stand as well. Yes, yes, so one, that's one right, of the, yeah. One, one, one of, of his, his second cars. One of his many cars, yeah, 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 So which is super. I've been up to Hall 2, though. I did go up the steps this morning before I had to run out and give somebody a ticket. Uh, and the, the, the new outfit in Nottingham, Alfacina, that do Jaguar and Alpha Restoration are there, and uh, my good pal Matt Cox is there uh, ne- next to uh, Kip, who's the owner, and he's got his beautiful 1750 GTB that he's restored on that stand, and Kip's got his uh, his racing Julia Sprint that's an absolute stunner. And so they're, they're, they're up there. I just need to go a bit further around. Oh, I have seen, I'm, I should mention, Dave Roberts' yeah. lovely Nissan yeah, we, Cherry. We, we talked about that oh, in the, uh, yeah. the Jana. <laughs> Which is, I hope, going to win an award. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be up there uh, clicking on the QR code to vote for it. <laughs> and there were a couple of cars in the auction. It was a 4C. Yeah, and a Montreal, I think. And a Montreal. The Montreal was gorgeous. And yeah. A, and a Julia Sprint. We, yeah, we've got a... There's a, the 4C's got the gold alloys, I think. I want to yeah. go and see that, see what that's like. And then I think we've got um, Mike Hilton, um, one of our virtual racers, um, yep. and also an Arca series racer yep. with his racing 4C on the on the 750MC standards. Great. Well, I should go over car. there. That's right at the top, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go up there. I mean, that's, that's the joy of it. 3,000 cars indoors, apparently, and it, the space of about 18 football pitches, something yeah. like that. It's it's just phenomenal, quite phenomenal. And uh, it's. I, I think every year I, you think, is it is it going to get a bit smaller, a bit quieter? And absolutely not. The, the scene's utterly enormous. It really is. Yeah. And uh, I wish we could have a quid for every person that's come along to say, <laughs> I'd love another sword. Yeah. <laughs> And what's the other favourite is, oh, step front batonies. Everybody wants one of those as well. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank okay. you for that. And um, let's start planning next we year. Do a bit of, we, we will certainly do that, yeah. That's all for this week. We'll be back in two weeks' time on Sunday the 4th of December. Episode 69 will be available to download from 1.30pm 
from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe. (laughs) 